Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Second Peter, chapter 1, and verse 21. Second Peter 1, 21. Um, if you've just downloaded this, it's very nice to have you sitting at home comfy. <laughs> I know you're with us in spirit. It'd be lovely to have had your body, but it's nice to have you. But, but joking apart, if you've just downloaded this, I recommend listening to the the first part, we're talking about the spirit-filled life. Uh, th- this will stand alone, but it may bless you to hear the first part as well. Second Peter 1, verse 21. Peter is in the middle of um, talking about the difference between hearing the voice of God on the mountain and, um, and the prophetic word. It's a great verse. I preach on it many times, but hopefully go a slightly different place with it today. Uh, he says in verse 21, prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along um, by the Holy Spirit. Why don't we just think about that for a moment? Men and women spoke from God as they were, carried along. I wish I had roller skates, you know, and I could fall over. (laughs) But, you know, as they were carried along. Now you know why I'm not on Strictly Come Dance. But as as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And Peter here uses a, a sailing metaphor meaning the wind in the sail that, that, that moves the ship. And uh, in our first part earlier today, and I recommend, have a, have a listen to it if, you, if it would bless you, we talked about being spirit-filled, meaning not like being filled like a cup or filled like a jug or filled like a bath, but filled like a sail. That's much more what Luke and the New Testament writers have in mind. So it's not so much when you say, you know, are you spirit-filled at the moment? Well, you know, I'm all right. I'm, I'm round about here. It, it, it's, it's not about that. It's about, a, you know a sail is full when it moves the boat. And so I want to talk this afternoon about being moved by the Spirit. Now, first of all, let me say something that might be of interest to you. And it'll sound a bit controversial, but it'll it'll all be okay. Do you know that there's a phrase that we, churches like us, preachers like me, that we use quite regularly? We talk about the moving of the Holy Spirit. Before a session, before a meeting, before a service, we might say, Lord, please will you, please will you move in it. 
uh, we're very conscious that in all our getting, we should get unction. We're all, our, we're all conscious that there's no, there's no clever words of mine that will change anybody's life. Only the anointing will change the lives of people. Only the Holy Spirit will bring life to people. Even in the born-again process. Flesh can only give birth to flesh. But, but spirit alone gives birth to spirit. So unless the Holy Spirit is working, then there's not really a lot of life happening, you know. And yet here's, here's a funny thing. Here's a funny thing. You look through your Bible, this way and that, up and down, left and right. You do not find the phrase, the moving of the Holy Spirit. Anywhere. The closest you have to it is the illustration where Jesus and Nicodemus are talking and he talks about the wind blows where it wills. But even that's an illustration. He's actually talking about the wind there. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit. There's no time when the apostles get together and say, Lord, we need a move of your spirit. And yet we use this language all the time, don't we? I want the spirit to move in my life. Lord, when are you going to move? It must be so puzzling if you're a non-Christian coming into church. And everyone's going, oh Lord, will you move? where (laughs) or worse still you show up at work and I tell you it was a great time at church God really moved (laughs) well where did he move to (laughs) did he use a solicitor (laughs) what he moved straight away which solicitor did he use (laughs) here's the thing that actually happens Luke 2 27 and I don't know if we have it do we Luke 2 and verse 27. This is a reference uh, to Simeon, I think, isn't it? And he was moved by the Spirit. So, Peter, are you saying the Holy Spirit doesn't move? What I'm saying is, when the Holy Spirit moves... He moves people. And how does he move people? He moves people by filling them. Just like a ship is moved by the arrival of wind in the sail. And so, really, when we talk about we're looking for a great move of God, sometimes it can be an absolute uh, nonsense to think that God is going to move in this church without it meaning a move, not just of God, but of the people of God. Sometimes you hear people praying for revival and it sort of sounds like, Lord, we're not going to do anything. So, Lord, will you do something while we sit here and have a cappuccino? But that's never been how it works. The Holy Spirit 
sends people out of buildings. He doesn't blow them in to buildings. There was once a rather naughty pastor who went to preach at a church and they were singing, there's a wind a-blowing. And there are about 20 people in there if they all brought their pets. And he said, it hasn't taken a lot of wind to blow you lot in. There's not a lot of wind a-blowing. Where there is a wind a-blowing, that means people are being moved. The wind of God filled the day of Pentecost and moved those people to preach. The wind didn't blow people in, it blew people out. Everyone understand? And so one of the ways, and we were talking again, I don't want to keep referring to it, but do have a listen to this morning if you weren't here. One of the ways we can know if we are filled with the Spirit, is are we being moved by the Spirit? How can we claim to be Spirit-filled if we're not Spirit-moved? Because if the Holy Spirit is a-blowing in me, then stuff will be moving. Things will be happening. I'll be moving. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so we were were thinking earlier about, well, how can I know if I'm full or not? How can I know if I'm leaking? Where where am I at in in my fullness? Well, it's so obvious. Are you being moved? Simeon was not just spirit filled, he was spirit moved. The Holy Spirit is not really the one who moves. The Holy Spirit moves us. It's quite a different way of looking at it. But I think you'll find it squares up exactly with what happened in the book of Acts. Sometimes people say, well, it's not really the book of Acts, is it? It's not the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And I always want to go, no, no, no. It's the Acts of the Apostles, all right. Because if the apostles hadn't acted, there'd be no acts. So we say, well, we want the days of the acts of the apostles to come back. So do I. Let's all act like apostles. And then bingo. Sorry, you're not offended, are you, by bingo? When we start acting like apostles, the days of Acts will come straight back. You have to fight through the powers of darkness either. They'd long be gone. So I want to think this afternoon, just for a few minutes, about a few occasions in Acts where the Spirit moved people. And all of them are characters. None of them are Winds blowing through buildings. None of them are feelings as people gathered to pray. They're all moments where the Holy Spirit moved upon a person, dominated their personality, determined something of their behavior and changed their life. I'll begin and then you'll work out where I'm going. Let's start with Philip. You remember him? Philip the evangelist. 
Acts 8, 4 to 8. Tells us about his uh, amazing work. Actually, let me, let me turn to it myself. Acts 8 tells us how Philip had a great revival in Samaria. Uh, crowds gathered to hear him. He preached and all sorts of signs and wonders accompanied him. Verse 6, when the crowds heard him, they saw the miraculous signs. They all paid close attention to what he said. And with shrieks, verse 7, unclean spirits came out of many. And many paralytics and cripples were healed. There was great joy in that city. I mean, this is the kind of evangelist that all evangelists aspire to be like. Successful. Right? Everything they touch turns to gold. Up there preaching and it's all happening. So much so that it's changing the city. Right? I mean, it really is. Not like some evangelistic uh, spin that gets pl- you know, played out today. Where someone says, we shook the city tonight. No, you didn't. You filled an auditorium with 300 people. You did not shake the city. But he was shaking the city. And so there he is, a great success. Imagine his Facebook. He wouldn't need to exaggerate like us. He really was having a good life. He could put things on Facebook that were true. No filter. No filter. Facebook's funny, isn't it? A good life on Facebook is like having a whole load of Monopoly money. <laughs> Feels good, but it's not really worth much. I own hotels in Mayfair, you know. <laughs> but then something happens. An angel speaks to him, and the Holy Spirit also. An angel of the Lord, in verse 26, said to Philip, It's, it's time to go south. To the road, the desert road. There's a clue. He's in the middle of this revival. I mean, he's a real success. Everything he dreamt about was happening. And now the Lord says, I want you to go to the desert now. And uh, so he goes to the desert. And there he finds himself next to a chariot. And the spirit says to him, go and go near that chariot. And there's the Ethiopian eunuch reading a bit of the Bible that he doesn't understand. And the great evangelist who stood in front of, you know, great crowds. Has to leave that. To go and just be. With one solitary person. Now here's the wonderful thing. This is as much the will of God as that. And there are moments. And I I wonder whether somebody once said that we spend the second half of our life 
getting over the first half. <laughs> I'm not sure where the division comes or whether I've arrived at it yet. But probably I have. There can come a thing, and it, it can especially come in the Pentecostal church, that we're somehow supposed to go from success to success. And we're supposed to get richer and better, wealthier and healthier and more glorious. And everything's supposed to get better all the time. You watch next year, every pastor in Britain will be talking about, I feel it's time for 2020 vision. (laughs) I've told you in advance. They'll all be doing it. They should go to Specsavers. But look what's happened. The Lord has blown on a successful person and brought him to a place where others might have thought he was now less successful. He used to have this massive church. Now it's really grim. He's only got one in it. And the eunuch doesn't look like he wants to tithe. Says the eunuch, have you got any children to bring to Sunday school? I'm a eunuch. (laughs) But it's true. There are moments where you, you can feel like you're very successful. Your business is successful. Your family is successful. Your job, your spirituality and there can come a danger that this, that this change where now I, I don't have that anymore is somehow a demotion. I want to ask you this. Are you, are you prepared for the Holy Spirit to blow upon you in such a way, to move you in such a way as to move you from what you think is a success? To what might be more fruitful? I puzzle when I read the New Testament and I read the epistles. I puzzle in a God that takes the great Apostle Paul and decides the very best thing for Paul many times in his life is incarceration. I think, God, do you know what you're doing? Like, Paul's really good. I think we ought to have Paul free, really. Let's have Paul travelling around, shall we? Wouldn't it be good if Paul could plant more churches? Wouldn't it be good if Paul could be at large? And yet the God of the New Testament decides that it's okay for him to end up in prison after prison. Everyone understand? She's saying, Lord... Are you really sovereign? And all he could do, sitting under house arrest, all he could, he couldn't speak to great crowds. He used to. One time he preached so long, a man died. (laughs) He fell out the window. (laughs) 
One time he preached so long, the police started to move in and slowly rescue the congregation. But here's Paul now, just with whoever it is, Silvanus, Erastus, and just beginning to dictate letters. Now he's just really preaching to one person, a scribe, and the scribe's writing down. Oh, I need to... I, I need to speak to those folks at the church at Colossae. Now let's just begin a letter. And it's just the two of them. Paul's not before a crowd. And yet God used that, that moment of just the two of them to impact the world for thousands of years. See, well, the, the point, we don't see. We don't know. We don't know. And if you know that for many years I was a Bible college lecturer, I was the campus pastor. I, I'm telling you, I know the most fruitful moments of that whole thing was not up doing 40 hours of lecturing on a, on a given topic. I did a good deal more than that in a year. But I know that some of the most powerful moments, were they weren't in the lecture room. They were in Costa, weren't they? With one person. So I want to encourage you to seek God in that. Well, I I used to be so active in the ministry. Now it's just me and my daughter. Well, hallelujah. You're about to pour the kingdom into your daughter. Well, I used to do this and we used to live in a big house. But now, who knows the, the ways of the Almighty? I want to ask you today, are you happy for the Spirit to... So fill you and move you, but move you in a direction that other people think is not so successful. Because it happened in the book of Acts. Second character just to look at is Ananias, Acts 9. Philip was moved from big to small, if you're taking notes, from big to small. Ananias in Acts 9 was moved from safety to danger. I love this story. It's really funny. The Lord speaks to Ananias. In verse 10 of Acts 9, in Damascus, there was a disciple. The Lord says to him, Ananias. So there he is praying. We know he's praying. He's having a vision. I mean, what a godly man. Ananias actually prays when he's not at church. He's not even in church. He's still a Christian. It's it's not even Sunday. Between 10 and 4. What a Christian. And the Lord speaks to him. Ananias. Oh, amazing. Here I am before the Lord. Jesus is talking to him. Jesus says to him, okay, this is the Bedeck Commander version. This is what I want you to do. There's a highly dangerous man just shown up who kills Christians. Remember your friend Stephen? He had him put to death. I want you to go and have a word with him. (laughs) You know you're here all godly and having your vision and that, Ananias. It's nice in your prayer room, isn't it? You've, You've even got a picture of a river on the wall. Eric Gilmore music playing. 
Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> then the Lord shows up and says, Hello, I'd quite like you to do something now. If that were... I'd like you to do something. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm just enjoying the moving of the Holy Spirit at the moment. No, 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 no. I, it's time to blow you out of this room. No, but that wouldn't be right, Lord. I'm here in your presence. I'm here filling up the car with more fuel. I don't plan on going anywhere. Huh? And the Holy Spirit, but it's, it's time to go. And he moved from safety to danger. I want to say something. I said it a few weeks ago in another place. Let me say it here. Do you know what? Christianity is supposed to be a little dangerous. Right? I once heard a preacher and he got really cross with another preacher. The preacher said, and he was preaching the gospel and he said, maybe you'd like to give Jesus a chance. Just come down here. It will only take a moment. And the preacher sitting on the front row thought, it's not going to take a moment. It's going to take your whole life. It'll just take a moment. That's a lie. It's going to take blood, sweat, and tears. And 10% is just the start. You'll be on missions in a minute for thousands. You'll give more money to Eventbrite than you'd ever planned. will just take a moment. No, it won't. No, it won't. When Christianity is done properly, it's actually a little dangerous. And then some charismatic Joe will come up and tell you, well, don't worry because if it's God's will, you'll feel a peace about it. Which is just charismatic speak for, if you're comfortable, do it. And if you're not comfortable, don't do it. I don't really find that when it comes to martyrdom and imprisonment in the New Testament. I would be happy to have my head cut off by Herod, but I'm not feeling a piece about this scenario. (laughs) Now, in this instance, the man of prayer is forced to become an evangelist. It's no good praying for the lost. You've got to go and talk to them. But actually, there might be hundreds of applications for this. Where the Spirit might be moving you at this season in your life. Moving on you, filling you, moving you. And it actually puts you into a place of perceived danger. Now, now here's the thing. Ananias was not in danger. Was he? He was fine. Saul was more converted than him. He was about to go and meet a Christian superstar, wasn't he? He didn't know it, though. And a real Christian superstar. Not Bono. So this was perceived danger, not real danger. And it's so so applicable to us. Can I ask this? When's the last time you did anything for Christ that was dangerous? that risked your reputation, street cred, 
money. Your job. But a much better question is, not when's the last time, but when's the next time? Because the Spirit of God might move on us in this season to do things properly. Peter was an absolute brilliant disciple until he was going to get into trouble for being a Christian. And as soon as that moment came, he was out. Like Dragon's Den, I'm out. By the way, one of them never spends any of that money. I'm sure she just hires it in. Just sits there stroking it like a James Bond villain. No, I'm out. Danger? No. Danger? Feeling uncomfortable? No, 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 no. But yes, I'm afraid so. Yes, I'm afraid so. And Ananias moved from safety to danger. But here's the thing, his obedience that day, he does go. He does go and meets all. And that unlocked, untold blessing for the planet Earth that you are still enjoying today. And Ananias is a nobody, forgive me. He's not, he's not a bishop, is he? A disciple. We don't even know if he was on the Sunday school rotor. We don't know if he was on the welcome team. We don't know if he was on the car park. Right? We don't know. We don't know what road he was on. But Milton Jones once said, many Christians treat the church like a giant helicopter. They don't want to get too near because they get swept into the rotors. We don't know if he was doing anything. He was, he was just a disciple. But he was willing to be moved by the Spirit of God into danger, perceived or otherwise. Third character is Peter. Now, this is a great long passage. We won't look at too much of it. But in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 10, Peter is praying and he has a vision and in this story he has to go to Cornelius's house now let me explain this because then it'll help me to apply it peter is sent as a jewish man into a gentile environment you have to understand that the culture of that was just an enormous no-no. And he had to go and preach the gospel to this group of Gentiles. It would have been a room of people who looked very much like Mr. Spock. Uh, uh, The hair, I mean, not the ears. So a group of Romans in togas. He's there and God has moved on him. To be there. Now here's the thing. This is so countercultural for him. The Holy Spirit has moved him to do something outside of his cultural religious understanding. 
How many of you know that as more years go on and as the months roll by and the decades roll by, we are living in an increasingly anti-Christian culture. You you don't have to be too smart to work that out. And that we seem to have moved from a period where the church... The church's presence was celebrated and the Christian message celebrated to tolerated to not tolerated and you know I'm not being alarmist but we're moving towards illegal aren't we? Am I right? In very very now who knows what God will do but that looks like the the trajectory that we are on that some of the views that you hold will perhaps very soon, if not already, become illegal for you to voice. We're slowly moving towards an Orwellian thought crime scenario. I'm not sure we're there yet, but there are times where I wonder if we are there. Where it's not that we're all allowed to hold our own views, it's that other people seem to have their own facts. And here's what Peter has to do the Spirit moves him to go against the culture in which he was in. Everyone with me? When he goes into that house, he's having to be counter-cultural. Now here, we have a scenario where uh, he's gone there to reach them. He's gone there to minister to them. But, but, but the journey he's on is the defiance of his current culture, which didn't allow him to go in there. And I want to encourage you. And this is where there's little place for sugar and humor. I want to encourage you. If we are going to be filled with the Spirit, this means we are filled with the original gospel message. This means we are filled with the original Ten Commandments. Not the uh, edited highlights or the, or the more palatable ones. That might work on chat shows today. And I want to encourage us. And as, as many of you are. I know to be part of an amazing spirit filled church. Because a spirit filled community. Has the original gospel at the heart of it. And the original gospel. Is going to be a little unpalatable. For the culture in which we are. Here's the thing. Whatever you do. You must not change the message. Sometimes I hear the gospel preached in all sorts of incredible ways. I think I'm watching some sort of salesman pitch. Come to Jesus tonight and you'll get a free clock. Just for applying. 
Come down to the front. It will only take a moment. No, no, we, we could find ourselves peddling a faulty gospel. And a faulty gospel produces not terribly legitimate converts. And converts that aren't really converts very quickly go back to the world and become very hardened backsliders who already tried Jesus and it didn't work. In fact, the problem was they had some sort of gospel salesman in front of them that promised them anything to bring them into the product. God's got a wonderful plan for your life. Has he? Are you sure? What about the thief on the cross? God had a wonderful plan for his death. Just a few hours after he got saved. Right? And, and promising people all the, the wonders of this world. Can I just remind you that that's what the devil did in the desert with Jesus. You can have anything you want. You can have anything you want. But in the gospel, you can't have anything you want. In the gospel, you can't do what you want. You can't live how you want. You can't even think the way you used to think. You've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I comment all the time at all the worship songs we have. And it's absolutely everywhere about being free. (laughs) Oh, we're, we're all free. Are we really? We're all free, are we? Well, I, I understand the sentiment of it. Please don't think me harsh that we're free from sin, we're free from the penalty. But actually, we're, we're free in order to become a slave of someone else. Jesus! <laughs> Slaves of righteousness. Redeemed means I've been bought out of this property, but into the property of this master. The Holy Spirit moved on Peter to make him courageous enough to actually defy the culture that he was in. And there may well come a day, and I I don't want to be the prophet of doom, I don't, but there may well come a day where churches will either defy the culture and thrive, or synchronize with it and disappear. And disappear. Thinking they're doing mission or something, but actually... It could just be compromise. A desire to not get into trouble. Saying let's not get into trouble is not love for the world. It's love for ourselves. And number four. The fourth character. Fourth and final. Act 16. It's Paul himself. Mentioned him a few times. Let's give him a bit of love and attention now. In Acts 16, Paul, you really wouldn't want him as your mission leader. Look at verse 6. 16, 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Everyone see that? Now, 
just to be really clear, this doesn't mean that he didn't get into Asia. My understanding, looking at the maps, is that in order for Paul to travel the way he's traveling, he's in Asia. So it's not that he wanted to get into Asia and EasyJet had a drone on the, on the tarmac. It's not that he couldn't get into Asia because some Extinction Rebellion people had glued themselves to the plane. He couldn't get, it's, it's not that he couldn't get into Asia, it's just that he was kept from preaching while in the province of Asia. Now, I wanted to imagine that you're part of his team. Look at verse 6. Paul and his companions. Can you imagine being part of the pep talk, lads? Here we are in Asia. Hallelujah. And they've all got Jesus Loves Asia t-shirts, pink ones. Right? They've all set up a blog and uh, everyone's being financed from someone. They've all had some crowdfunding to get them there. We're here in Asia. All the social media pictures of them all, you know, together. Desperately trying to look like they're not having a holiday. (laughs) Here we are having an ice cream. But it was only two minutes. The rest of the time we were preaching, honestly. (laughs) Can you just imagine? Here we are in Asia. Hallelujah, we're in Asia. Jesus loves Asia. Now, lads, I've just had a word from the Lord. Yeah, look. where are we going? Nowhere. What do you mean? Well, we're not going to preach here. We're not going to preach here. But I feel from the Lord that we're going to go to Bithynia. Yes, Bithynia is the place to go. So they go down a shop and scrub over the Asia and put Bithynia on it. Here we go. He marched them up to the top of the hill. And so they go towards Bithynia. Hallelujah. Yes, the Lord's going to move in Bithynia. We're taking authority over the demons. We haven't taken authority over the washing up yet. But we're taking authority over the demons. In Bithynia. And verse 7. They tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to. So now they are at a border. Now they are at the border, and now they can't get through. Well, I'm sorry, sir, you know, Brexit and all that, we can't let you in. And they can't get in. And then finally, as they're all lying there in their Jesus Loves Bithynia t-shirts, wondering what anagram they can now make out of those letters, the Lord speaks to him and says, in a dream, Come to Macedonia and help us. There he was scrambling around, not really knowing what he was doing. But, but it's not a criticism. Because he was going for it. He was out there. He was moving. And do you know what? When you're moving, it's much easier to turn the steering wheel... When you're moving, than when you're stationary. I've had the privilege of 
speaking to many, many young people about what they're going to do with their life. And they all want some sort of, and I understand this because I was the same and maybe I still am the same. I want some specific direction. I want a sat-nav. I want Alexa to tell me exactly what to do. Turn left at the end of the road. But you know what? It doesn't really work like that. There are people who have given themselves to the gospel, gone places and seen no fruit or very little fruit or it wasn't successful or while they were there they became sick or tragedy struck them. But listen to me. It was still the right thing to do because God loves faith even when we make mistakes without faith finish it for me it is impossible to please God which means with faith it is possible there's two occasions in the scriptures where Jesus is amazed one by the he was amazed by their lack of faith And on another occasion, he's amazed by someone having faith. If you want to impress God, you're not going to impress him with your singing. You're not going to impress him with your preaching. You're going to impress him with your faith. And so here's Paul scrambling around Asia, Bithynia, with a crowd of companions. Looking like he doesn't know what he's doing. But in fact, God is moving him to a place where he's just over the sea from Europe. And so although it looks like he's going in the wrong way, actually God's setting him up. The Holy Spirit can move us from journey to destination. I want to encourage you to do things. To get going. All sorts of missions are now much more affordable than they were. You know, don't you, that a century ago, if you went on mission, you kissed your family goodbye, you put your safari hat on and you never came back. Now what do we do? Now what do we do? Virgin Airlines, we're there. And we, and we come back a week later. There's all sorts of opportunities that just weren't available in, in, other, in other times. They weren't affordable. And sometimes, listen to me, I want everyone to listen to me. In order to find the perfect will of God, you've got to get going. And God guides those who are going. Very rarely does he speak to those who are sitting. And so as we get going, you know, Paul receives the Macedonian call when he is near Macedonia. He doesn't receive it back in Jerusalem on his prayer bed. He receives it when he's out on the field, when he's out doing things. That's when God moves him. That's when God reveals things to him. I've gone to all sorts of places, done all sorts of things. You say, well, was it God's will? I've got no idea. Except that the word of God is the will of God. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the will of God, isn't it? Well, I must finish, but 
I want to, I want to encourage you. If we're going to be spirit-filled people, then we're going to be spirit-moved people. Who would have believed the worship team, you can start to think about coming back if you like, but who would have believed, sound like Richard Burton, who would have believed that when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the Jordan, that he would have a morning in the water, but in the evening be in the desert. And the Bible is clear. The Spirit led him, says Luke. Drove him, says Mark, into the desert. I want to ask you if you, like me, can say, Lord, I really do want your spirit. I really do want the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit wants to move me from success or the big to the small, then that's fine with me. If the Holy Spirit wants to move me from comfort to danger, then that's fine with me. If the Holy, wants, if the Holy Spirit wants to empower me to stand against the prevailing winds of culture, then I will do that. And if the Holy Spirit wants to move me into a place of missional destination then I'll yield myself to making a few mistakes perhaps along the way and if the Holy Spirit wants to come upon me not to give me the power to prophesy Not to give me a tingle or a zap. But if he wants to really come upon me to face my issues if the Holy Spirit wants to come upon me and take me for a few days into a desert so that I can come out of it in the power of the Spirit, then Lord, I say yes to that. Whatever He wants. Let's stand together, shall we? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.